You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network for an episode of Survivor. And as you can clearly tell, I am not the second boot from Sarah Cook Islands. I am the eventual winner of some season, probably. Here to chat about Survivor uh, in Billy's place. Hopefully, we deliver a lot of great insight. But if not, you have another episode to listen to when Billy comes back next week. So there's plenty of stuff to get to here on this episode, but obviously I'm not alone. I'm joined by Jared from the Survivor Oz Days. Jared, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be back uh, to talking about Survivor. It's been so long, so this is exciting. I was thinking, when was when would be the last time that we talked about Survivor? Because we just talked about The Amazing Race, but when did we chat about Survivor in any capacity? I don't even know, like, it was that long ago. Like, maybe, maybe Cambodia, but maybe even, like, longer ago than that. Like, it has been a long time. I thought that, we, I feel like we did chat maybe during Korong, maybe? Yeah, potentially. So, but that would probably be the last season I feel like we officially had anything to stamp down. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about Cambodia or Korong or Millennials vs. Gen X. We're here to chat about Ghost Island. And, well, I guess first I want to get your take on kind of since, I guess, those Cambodia Korong days, what's your take on Survivor as a whole? Like, as how it's been going over the last few years? I think it's been going well. I think, um, I mean, it has kind of its ups and downs. I wasn't the biggest fan of um, game changes. Um, but I think that's kind of a pretty standard opinion. I thought um, Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers I was really kind of happy with and enjoying until the whole Final Four twist and that kind of um, spoiled the season a bit for me. But I think up until then I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed the cast from that. I think that was kind of the most excited I was for a cast of newbies in a long time. And then I think... Um, I think Ghost Island has been okay. I think um, it started off really well, and then um, it definitely kind of stalled a bit, probably after the the Morgan boot, maybe even after the Brendan boot, it kind of stalled, and I think um, that the merge could not come kind of soon enough at this point in time. Yeah, I definitely agree. I've obviously was not I'm very vocal about not liking Game Changers at all, but I thought Heroes Healer Sister was definitely a refresher. Definitely agree on the Final Four twist. I'm still very sour on that. But I think Ghost Island has a lot of great potential. I, we're still we're still only, like, what, barely halfway through it. So we still have so much more to, to go through. But I feel like it definitely has a, the makings of being a great season. I think they've set up so many storylines to be kind of played out in the future that I think that the merge is a really good place to kind of to talk about like I feel like we have a lot to like think uh theorize about and guess about because there's so many people kind of moving hearts right now that I feel like we didn't really get in the pre-merge stage um so I just quit general what were your thoughts on some of the people that we lost in the pre-merge did you love Gonzalez Jacob and all that what are your takes on them I think um, as a whole, I've kind of enjoyed the Manolo tribe a lot more, I think, I suppose partly because we've seen a lot more of them. But I think the cast of kind of characters on that tribe have just really been better as a whole. Um, Definitely was a big fan of uh, Stephanie. Um, I think it was a shame to see her go at that point in time. And I'm hoping that we will kind of get her back at some point, but even, like, somebody like Brendan or even James, who weren't, like, these massive standout characters, but I just think they were interesting and their their takes on the game were interesting. I think they had some good moves kind of while they were there. Um, And I think it's just, um, I mean, the luck of the draw, really, with the Switch and how kind of everything worked out there. Do you think we'll get any of them back any any other season? Um... For me, I think the main person who has probably the highest likelihood at the moment would be Stephanie. I think the others uh, are very kind of outside chances. I think, um, I mean, potentially Bradley, but I think Stephanie, out of all kind of the pre-merged people, um, yeah, has the most potential at the moment. But, I mean, it 
to me, it just depends on how soon we get another returning player season. If it's three, four seasons down the line, then I think um, obviously their odds kind of decrease the more time goes on. Yeah, definitely co-sign Stephanie. Although I did think she got a weird storyline to end, but who knows. Um, and what are your thoughts on Ghost Island as a twist? Do you love it? Do you hate it? <laughs> Do you not think about it too much? I think it's good. I think um, I think it could be better. I think the whole, like, no game for you today, like, I understand it, and I think it's good that they're not having, like, a million advantages out there, even though, I mean, there are already kind of quite a lot. But I think... Um, especially when somebody's not staying there. Like, if you're exiled and you're missing tribal and there's no, like, game on Ghost Island, then it's like, well, at least it had a purpose. It saved somebody. It's changed the dy- dynamics at tribal because there's one less person. But when it's happening kind of between the reward challenge and immunity and then there's no game there, it just kind of sucks out the airtime. And it's like, well, here's a person who wants to be in a better position in the game and are taken to Ghost Island where they have a chance of that. And then it's like, well, nothing for you at all. Like, maybe they needed to have a game every time, but, like, lessen the odds. Maybe you had a one in three chance of getting it right. Or, I don't know, I think that they could have worked in things better. Even the whole, like, you wager your vote, I would have liked to see that kind of change each time to maybe be, like, you wager something else or here's an advantage, but it's going to be difficult to get. Like, they could have done the whole, like, idols and challenges or the whole, like, Lauren, um, give up your vote at Tribal for an extra vote down the line. I think... There were a lot of different ways that they could have spun it to have something at Ghost Island every time without it kind of blowing out of proportion and us having that whole like game changes final six worst case scenario thing with too many advantages in play. Yeah, we got a string of I think it was like three or four where there was like no game. I think it was like Donathan went there and then Chris went there and then someone else was there and it's just like no game, no game, no game. No, it was four in a row because we had. Two people no game, Kellen not play the game, Stephanie not get to play a game, and then it didn't happen the next episode. There was, so there were five episodes where we didn't get a game. So we only had Gonzal- not Gonzales, uh, Jacob and Kellen this most recent time were the only people who actually played the game in these two times, and it's been, what, six episodes, I think? Yeah. So, like, it just doesn't quite work out the way that I think they intended or we intended. But I'm interested to see how it plays out and emerge situation. Cause I don't know how they're going to determine who would go, but obviously from looking at the urns that they have there, that the people are still going to be going. So I'm wondering if it's built into the challenges or something. Cause I think that who goes is a really big component now, especially in an individual game. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it works. I'm thinking maybe, yeah, maybe even it's like the winning team from the reward gets to choose who goes. But I think, obviously, if it's not just one person deciding, I think we're going to see lots of rocks again throughout the merge because knowing how like up in the air alliances seem to be and as they will be the further down the road, I think um, nobody's really going to give somebody the opportunity to get an advantage for free. So I think uh, plenty of rock drawing to look forward to as the season goes on. Well, I thought that was a really good way of, doing it because I thought that, oh, they, there's no way these people are going to unanimously decide. So I thought that the rock drawing was a really fair option. Uh, but speaking of the rocks, what were your thoughts on this? In this episode, they picked Kellen to go, which I thought I was like, oh, obviously they're going to go to rocks, but they didn't go to rocks. And they, they all agreed to send Kellen. Yeah, it was interesting because we didn't get any kind of insight into that from the like, Malolo members of the uh, Navidi tribe. I think maybe at this point they kind of realize how far down they are in numbers that potentially maybe they're just even trying to like build faith. I know they talked about the whole we want to just send somebody who's been before because you don't want too many people to go. But um, I think it was more so probably just trying to those Malolo members trying to kind of gain some trust and some favor, knowing that they're so far down in numbers that is one advantage really going to help out their cause at this point in time. Well, I don't know. We got so many advantages and twists this episode alone that I think that it it really depends on how it's played. I feel like how many we have five Malolo left and Michael has the only one with some sort of advantage, but I feel like a lot of people have made, 
good inroads that I think that a Malolo kind of overthrow wouldn't be too ridiculous. I guess we could just theorize about what we want, we could, that would happen at the merge. Um, Cause we still have this huge Chris versus Dominic feud that's still going on. And I don't think we've ever kind of got a sense of where all the original Navidi fit within that. It's always been this Chris Dominic story. And I think Angela's been on Chris's side and Wendell's been on Dominic's side, but the other people have kind of not been a part of that storyline. So it's interesting. I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out at this merge. And I think we get like confessionals in the pre preview of like Chris talking about it's going down or something like that. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how it could go at this stage. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell because I think even the way that like both of the both of them have been painted in kind of uh, these mixed lights. I would say um, it's almost like Dominic had like a rougher start, uh, and then he's kind of built up, and then Chris. I mean, it's he's kind of had it rough the whole way, but then he has these patches of his whole like bonding with Jonathan. But then we see again that like Laurel can't stand him because he's only talking about himself. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to tell, and we haven't really, like you said, we haven't got a clear idea of where everybody sits. It's more like you can see uh, these individual, like, couplings and, like, groupings of, say, like, um, Jenna and, like, Seabass, and then, like, yeah, like, Angela and Chris and, and Wendell and Dominic, but and even, like, um, Kellen and, like, um, Desiree, like, there's these more so these pairs that are all in play and it would just be interesting to see where they go and and who will kind of hold the balance of power here because this is a chance for i think original malolo to really um if they make the right move set themselves up to yeah potentially overthrow um the navidi players down the line there are definitely a few players right now that are in such a real middle ground that they can actually go and kind of Maybe we could get a very Chris versus Dominic stance at Tribal, and it could be kind of like, where where do you stand on these sides? So there's a lot of people in the middle. Because I would say, like, Angela is someone who's really in the middle, because I feel like Desiree, not Desiree, Kellen is someone who's more leaning toward working with Dominic as opposed to Chris. So I feel like, you know, that could create a little bit of conflict, because Angela's really tight with Chris but has also recently voted with and has been working with Kellen and Desiree. So that could be a bit of an issue of conflict. Um, although I don't give much promise to Angela as a player. So I don't know how, I don't really know what she's going to do. I feel like she's just going to go with Chris, maybe decide with her heart and kind of play that way. Mm. It'll be uh, interesting to see too, because Dominic, I mean, he has the legacy advantage, which he can play at the merge tribal, but then he also has a hidden immune now deal as well. So really, you would think if he has any sense of danger, the fact that he has two advantages, it's like you may as well just play one of them. Um, in this case, I would say if he's going to play one of them, get rid of the legacy advantage because that's only useful again at six, five, one of the two. Um, and then, I mean, the, the idol is going to be used, be able to use every single like tribal that he's at. So I think if he kind of makes that decision, um, surely he's got to go for playing the legacy advantage over the idol. He's got to play it right because every person who's got the legacy advantage at the final six never needed it. So I don't know why it's going to change now. Mm. And I clearly forgot that he had an idol. So how many, what are we at? Four idols around total or is it three? I'm, I'm lo- I've lost track. Uh, I think it's, it is three, right? Three and the... Yeah, three idols, Dominic, Michael, and Wendell, and then one legacy advantage, and then Kellen's whole extra vote. Okay. okay I didn't think I'd lose track, but I've already lost track. Um, and I guess, I guess I'm interested to see how, for the merge, like, is it going to be an VT reuni- reunion? Because we've gotten this storyline that Chris and Dominic are against each other, but it almost feels like it's just them and it's not the whole tribe or the whole kind of cast or something. So I'm wondering, is it going to be this storyline that we've been getting as well, where it's Navidi taking out the Malolo and then we're going to take it from there? Cause that's what it's been for the entire pre-merge. Like 
maybe be strong. Yeah, it would be interesting to see even like the reactions from the last tribal with Navidi being so like Navidi strong, Navidi strong, and then taking out Bradley like right before the merge. It'll be interesting to see the reaction of like the Navidi players who were, I suppose, it's hard to tell who was really close to Bradley, but even just the ones who were so kind of bent on original tribe lines, how they will react to that happening and, and how that story will be told and the reasons behind it. Interesting. Even through all the swaps and everything, every time Malolo went to tribal council, Malolo went home. And every time Navidi went to tribal council, and Navidi went home. That's interesting. Even through the swaps, that stayed true. Uh, what were your thoughts on doing the three tribe? I know we've seen it so many times, but was that obviously not a shock? But were you like, oh, it could work this time? Or, or what, what were your takes? Um... I wasn't a huge fan of it. I do like the three tribe, but I think I am just getting over it. I think the thing, I mean, they chucked it in at a different point in the game, going from two to three instead of where they have been putting it at 18. But really, like, I think the more swaps you have, there's a fine line. If you have so many swaps, then I think it does create this whole, like, let's vote based on original tribe lines because there's no kind of incentive to move around and shuffle because everything is so insecure so you're trying to keep some sense of security and and safety and the easiest way to do that is they're up navidi gets up numbers early then they've got equal numbers or the advantage all of kind of the swaps that happen the first swap and the sin swap it just kind of makes sense that well we stick with what we know because we've got numbers if another swap happens we've still got numbers unless we get really unlucky um, so I think they've almost gone too far with the swaps and it has kind of done the opposite of what they wanted it to do. They wanted every, all the alliances to be up in the air and, and everybody meeting everybody before the merge. So we have all these complex storylines, but I think really it stifles that mixing because it becomes what's the safest option for me and the safest, smartest option in the case of so many switches is stick to original lines and it also really gets rid of the whole um keeping like challenge strength and not that i'm typically a fan of those kind of challenge beasts like alpha male players but i think it, it, it really gets difficult for them when it becomes a case of well we don't care if we've got numbers we don't care if we lose the next four or five challenges because we assume that a switch is going to happen soon or they're merging so early now at like at 13 that challenge strength is not really um, coming into votes so much as it used to at all. I will throw in a counter-argument for your thing about the tribe swaps and staying to to original ties because I'm looking back and thinking like, well, Survivor China, they only had one swap and it was like two people from each tribe switched and that was still very much like Pei Long versus Sean Hu and it was all, and it, it never broke from that, and it always kind of felt like they were always against each other as tribes. And that only had that had the most minimal swapping of any season, I feel like, with only two people swapping. And they still stayed true, so I don't know where... I don't know how that would play into, like, original lines versus tied up, or to, to new alliances and stuff. Mm, it's interesting. I think it's just... For me, the best thing that they can do is to keep things as um, l- like the least formulaic as they can possibly make them. And I think that the whole two into three tribes is becoming a bit um, predictable. I think this like thirteen person merge on like a twenty player season has become so like locked in stone. And I think that the more you can keep the players on their toes, not so much in in the switches, but in this whole like formula of when is the merge going to happen? How many switches are we going to have? When are they going to happen? Are we going to have switches at all? Um, I think I'm, that's what just what I want to see moving forward is players not being able to kind of plan down the line. Which I mean, you can make the argument that like well, Malolo couldn't do that because they the switches really screwed them. But um, I think yeah, just just changing stuff around. Uh, more and maybe even like losing the whole three tribe thing for a little while um, and then bringing it back later down the track. I think it's been a good change to bring it back and use it so often, but I think now it's time to 
think about other options. I think even like maybe we try a four tribe season again. I think yeah, just to keep things as fresh as possible and not make points in the game where switches are going to happen predictable. Do you think we should up up the cast for four tribes? Um. I'm kind of a fan of it sticking at 20 players just with the time for the amount of episodes. I think if you're going to do a larger cast, you have to... I think it works in, like, Survivor Australia um, or Australian Survivor just because there's the episodes are a bit longer and there's multiple episodes of the week, so you still kind of get to know everybody. I think pushing it on the American season, you wouldn't really get to know people's stories. Um I think that, like, four tribes of five can work. I think five on a tribe is just enough. I wouldn't go any smaller than that. Right, right. I do... I think it's so weird that this... I feel like in modern modern Survivor, you, like, designed to push the, you know, switching and flipping and flopping and not really making a steady alliance until, like, later in the game... But it seems like everyone here is trying to plant roots super early, and I feel like they're not really working outside of that, um, except for maybe this episode. Like, I think this is the only episode in which anyone voted against that there are, like, original members, maybe except for Michael throughout the entire season. But I think it's interesting to see that because um, I'm just trying to look back to, like, Survivor, like, Blood versus Water, where that end alliance, like the final alliance was formed through the, not the final three, but that major alliance that ran to the rock draw was formed post swap. So it's interesting to see that it's really changed a little bit. I think, I honestly think Kellen is probably the one person to blame for this. Navidi strong. She's pushed it so much through everything. Confessionals at tribal council, like every chance she gets, she's trying to defend that, Navidi should stay strong. Yeah, she's definitely been the real perpetrator. And, like, it must be hard because it's not like it makes her popular with the fans, but it is, I mean, it kind of is the right thing to do. They got the numbers early. Um, going into the switches, they, they didn't have problems. Like, there's a chance to secure secure the numbers for further down the line again. I think it's a smart play, but, yeah, like you say, it's not... <laughs> not the most interesting to watch on TV. What do you uh, think of Kellen? Are you a fan? Uh, no, not really. And it's not just the whole, um, like, her strategy. I think that definitely makes it harder to want to cheer her on because you kind of want that strategy to fall apart. But I just think overall, I don't know. I don't, like, hate her, but she's just kind of somebody who is there and is just very, like, game-focused. I feel like we haven't seen a lot of uh, personality from her, and I think there's, um, I mean, other people who I'd rather see go further. Who are you uh, fan, Who are you a fan of at this, I guess, from now? But um, It's mainly, like, like I said before, just, like, the original Malolos. I suppose, like, Donathan, I think, is a really interesting character just in the way that he's interacting with people and, and having that chance to come out of his shell and, and see the world and explore a bit. I think um, uh, Michael has also been great. I think he's shown um, a lot more game awareness than it was, was expected, and I think his whole like ploy that he tried to do with James's idol was, was really smart. It didn't work out, but I think it's good to see him trying new things and, and pushing the boundaries. Um, and then I think even somebody like Laurel, who we haven't seen a lot of, um, I think she has potential to um, play a, a solid game moving forward. And then I think even Donathan, um, who's a bit brash, but, um, I mean, he's a great character. And then, of course, Chris, who, I mean, is just fun to laugh at, but then he does have these kind of serious moments, and it's a bit hard to tell. It's like, are we meant to be rooting against him are we meant to be going forward forward with him like i think the the editors are really kind of throwing that up in the air i think it definitely does lean a bit to we're meant to be laughing at him rather than laughing with him um but he's not kind of a one-dimensional character which i think is good to see i love chris and i know that most people don't but i really he's just so fun 
like, yeah, a little bit of the jokes are laughing at him and not with him, but it's, I just still love to watch him. Like everything he does is just so entertaining. Like his rapping, his, you know, debut as a male model, like, Ooh, what a shock. And all this stuff is just so great to watch. And I think he has strategy. So I don't think it's like, completely like dodo edit kind of thing. He's got merit in there. He's made bonds with, you know, Donathan and others. And they could have easily voted for, you know, they they worked with Dominic, Wendell and Morgan way back when, but they chose to work with Angela and Chris. So like, I think he has people working with him and, you know, people wanting to stay on his side despite his personality flaws. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is interesting. I think that's the thing that the editors have done well this season is lots of stuff has been up in the air and they've painted people in uh, different lights. I, I don't think there's anybody who has just come across as like solely like this positive force um, who like to me, there's nobody who I am looking at and saying like, I'm going for them like a hundred percent. They're like the best. They're such a likable person, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, where I think is with other seasons, people are very kind of black and white in the eight, in the way that they're edited. And it's like, it's very like, um, tailgated, like, um, this is who you're meant to be going for. This is who you're meant to be going against type thing. We have this trend recently where the person who hasn't been to tribal council is most likely to be voted out first after they merge. So we saw that last season with Jessica. She didn't go to tribal council pre-merge and then she gets merged. She's the merge boot. Um, blanking on other people, but the, there's, there's like a trend where someone goes to their first tribal council. Like Nick Myrano from uh, Korong. So there's people that like do end up going and Chris is the one person this season who hasn't been to tribal council yet. So I'm wondering, do you, do you see him being possibly a, a merge boot? Is he that kind of person? I, I, I'm still unsure. Yeah, he, he could be. And it's interesting because I suppose tribal council is really your chance to build trust with people and, and work these things out. And I think, I mean, Chris and Dom have had this thing for the st- from the start, so I don't think going to tribal council early would necessarily have been great for him, but maybe even going to tribal council in one of the swaps, I suppose he was trying to kind of work with Malolo in that second group, um, or even like in a third tribe as in Yanuya, I think there's a potential when you go to tribal council, it's your chance to um, uh, walk the walk really and stand by what you've uh, said. So I think not having that opportunity uh, is detrimental to your game really because people can, I mean, you've only got your, your word to go on at this point in time. Nobody has formed that bond at tribal council. You haven't saved anybody. You haven't um you don't have any blood on your hands i think that yeah going to tribal council uh early in the game as much as it's a risk to go home it does um set you up well for later in the game because you do also you know how to handle tribal council situations i mean he's had no experience in like playing like a decoy boot and like watching what he says at tribal council and being aware. It's almost like the game is at a point where at tribal council, you have to be sending these signals, but then also like keeping other people in the dark and it's become so complex. I think the um, practice that you get in the pre-merge of going to tribal council is uh, really vital. You know, a lot of people go on record saying like, you don't really work together unless you vote together. So he's never actually had to commit to any group through vote. So I think it's interesting, but I don't know. I, I still struggle. My biggest concern going into the merge is that it's really not going to be this Chris Dominic story. And it's going to end up being one of the Malolos just going like Jenna getting voted out or, uh, you know, Laurel or Don, just one of them just going because Kellen, the Kellen or someone else is just pushing this Navidi strong. And I worry that we're just going to get a flat merge. And then eventually at one point, we're going to get a Chris Dominic episode. And that's really how their conflict is settled. 
Yeah, hopefully things will break apart early. I think even in, like, people kind of complained about the first couple of episodes after the merge in um, Heroes, Heels and Hustlers, but I think what kind of kept that, I suppose, like, mini pagonging of the um, healers interesting was there was idols in play and the healers had possession of them. There were definitely, like, chances in the episodes for them to change things around. In lots of the situations, they could have got out of the vote and got rid of somebody else if they had voted as a unit and they were constantly like splitting up and not voting together, which for me watching it made it interesting, even though some other people might've said it was predictable. I was like, there was chances for them to get out of those situations. It wasn't like a straight pagonging where it's like the idols are all in the possession of the dominant side. There's no chance for you to do anything here. Even if you vote together, you don't have enough votes. It wasn't that type of situation. So I'm hoping that, yeah, even if this whole like, a VD strong thing persists. Hopefully, some of the advantages uh, fall into the hands of Malolo or Michael can play his idol properly. Um, just hopefully, something shakes it up to even keep that going interesting. Well, that was interesting last season because healers came in at the merge, only losing one person, I believe. So, I think you know, they came in with the most numbers and then they were kind of easily like picked off one by one. Cause we had, you know, Jessica, Desi, Cole, skip one and then Joe, and then Mike somehow made it through, but it was the strong tribe that came in was the one that was kind of targeted easily. Sort of these like outcasts and like leftovers really kind of formed together. So I think it's interesting. Maybe people like the Malolo five could work together and pull people like maybe Sebastian with Jenna or uh, Angela with Michael, maybe, or some some sort of combination where I think we could get something interesting, but I I still fear that we're just going to get into Vivi versus Malolo storyline. Yeah, I think, um, not that I want to dwell on the swaps too much, because I've already talked about it, but I think even that kind of from last season illustrates the point of it's better to go from three tribes to two than two to three, because... When you're going three tribes to two, you've got your original lines and then your lines from the swap. Whereas I think going from two to three, you don't really get those kind of three tribe lines in this format. You have your original lines. You might have some from the swaps if you've stayed with people, um, but they're definitely not as strong as the whole three to two, which I think creates a more interesting dynamic. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit more about this episode than the merge. Um, what were your kind of thoughts on the Bradley and the move to get rid of him at this stage? What do you think it was good or do you think he should have, they should have kept him? Uh, it's hard to say. I think I lean towards it was good because I think it's important going into the merge. If we do get this whole Dominic versus Chris thing, I think you need to build up your numbers. And I think, making kind of that first move to oust like an original Navidi, paying back some trust to like Donathan and even um, Libby who'd kind of um, burned Dominic in the past. I think that could be a telling point moving forward, making those bonds and shaking up this whole Navidi versus Malolo. I think in the long run, it's the right move. There might be some initial backlash from the Navidi if they're really kind of, headstrong and don't know why those original lines were crossed. But I think moving forward, it gives Dominic in particular uh, a lot more options for, for building an alliance moving forward. What, what were your takes? Cause um, we saw Chelsea a little bit come out of the woodworks. Do you think apparently from what I heard, she was actually very much against Bradley throughout the entire season, despite them being together on every single tribe. Do you think that we could get, Obviously, we've had a purple edit from her, but do you think we could get a little bit of a better storyline and development with her? What are her prospects as a game player? Uh, in my opinion, like being a little bit of a pessimist, I don't think that she's going to break get this breakout storyline. I would love to see it. I think, um, obviously, she has more to say than what she's been given at this point. Um but I think if she was going to like have a breakout, we would see maybe more sprinkling of her throughout the pre-merge and maybe an earlier, like just some credit, I suppose, for this move, which I think was really 
the way it was painted, like she was involved in the decision, but the way it was painted, it was really about like, this is Dominic's time to decide what happens moving forward is, is how I saw that the, the episode was, was narrated. I was definitely fooled by the, um, edit of this episode. Cause I genuinely thought that Libby was going cause I was like, Oh, there's no way anyone in this era is ever going to vote someone out just cause they're annoying. But that's what the storyline ended up being is that they got rid of Bradley. I definitely think it was more than being annoying, but were you fooled by what had gone down? Yeah, I was a little bit, yeah, for similar points as you, I think, I mean, there's the argument when somebody's annoying to keep them around as a goat, and then it becomes kind of later on, you want to get rid of them, depending on where you're sitting, because you don't want them taking up a spot in the final three, but I don't think that, kind of, we weren't at that point with Bradley, and like, he was going to rub people the wrong way, but I don't think it was ever going to be enough for original Navidi to, to kind of break apart. If anything, they'd be thinking, oh, well, like, Bradley's annoying. We'll keep him around to get to the end with us. So, yeah, there definitely must have been more to it. And I, I suppose, tend to believe that this was kind of a move to secure more numbers um, moving forward. Is it not just part of this big move-making era that we people want to play in where it's like, all right, we're just going to do it and deal with it later or was it more calculated than that i think it was more calculated i think if we were going to see those kind of big move for the sake of it they would have come kind of earlier in those swaps you could kind of argue that kellen kind of shut that down but i think there was plenty of opportunities um for flips to happen and big things to happen earlier and they didn't and I don't think this is kind of a reaction to that I think this is just purely from a game point um yeah like I said just securing as many potential allies as possible moving forward well I do think that maybe it seems like one of those kind of situations where you vote someone out I feel like Bradley is someone you could easily get rid of I don't quite know now is the time to do it because I feel like he's not going to win immunity. He's always going to be vulnerable. He's always going to be annoying. If he, this is what he's like on day, what, 15, 18. He's going to be annoying on day 30. You know, he's not going to get any better. So I, I don't I don't know if it's the right move, but I do like that they did it just because I'm like, ugh, not another Malolo. I said at this point, I was just like, please, anyone but a Malolo. Like even, I would rather have Chris Noble have gone out at this point than lose another Malolo. which just like, it's so too many. I think we've lost because we're at five, eight, right? Yeah. Is that the breakdown? Yeah. So I'm glad we didn't lose like Libby or Donathan. And I was so worried that Donathan was going because he got a character development confessional. And I was like, oh no, 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 don't get an edit spike. Don't get an edit spike. So I, I was concerned, but I was glad that I was kind of glad on the outcome because he did, he did great on a lot of people. I have too much to say that's not been said. I don't know if we there's anything you wanted to touch on more. Um, I suppose we could talk more about like the advantages kind of found this episode, and I will say that I have been really enjoying the uh, flashbacks of when people find an advantage, and then they kind of narrate how it's found, and we have like the play the flashback of of the season. I think uh, the whole like Ozzy's fake idol maturing into a real idol was um terribly lame and corny but it kind of worked and i did like how they almost played up how how big like this the stick was this fake idol saying that like they didn't just show like the famous like clip of like eliza and jason and like her trying to play it but they showed i love how they're like and everybody who touched the idol like ozzy who made it and then jason who found it and eliza who tried to play it it's like they all went home back to back, like playing up just like this curse from this idol. And I think that was, was cheesy, but it was cool to see um, that happen. What were your thoughts on seeing an immunity necklace as an idol? That really bugged me. And I was hoping, like, I feel like the, like if we're talking about like a scale of like bad game moves, like, Eric's, like, immunity necklace has to be, like, at the top or at least, like, second or, or wherever you want to put it. But, like, it's towards the top. And I feel like 
having a necklace as an idol just seemed really stupid when there's plenty of like other misplayed idols that could have just been like reused as idols. I liked it staying like as that pure, even though I suppose we had a fake idol, but I mean, fake idol or real idol staying as like a hidden immunity idol, I liked. I didn't like seeing the necklace become an idol. I thought it would have been cool if that was even the, the immunity necklace from the season, or if it was, I think it could have been played in a way that it was offered up and it's like, you have immunity, but if you choose to do the same thing as Eric and give it to somebody else, but, but you survive, then they get some kind of bigger advantage in the game. I think that would have been cool to see, to have like, you're going to try and repeat the scenario of giving up the necklace uh, and survive, and if you manage to do that, here's a big payout for that. I think that would have been a really interesting way to, to see the necklace come into play. I do that. That seems like such a big gamble, though. Like, almost like the legacy advantage. Like, Wendell has to win immunity, then he has to give it to someone, and then he's still got to survive. I think it's so... That's like a hard myth. Like, I feel like that's so hard to get. Like, it's such a a finite thing. I I don't quite know if that would work too well. Yeah. But I think even just, like, early in the merge, I think it would have had, like, good potential. Maybe even, like, the second vote after the merge, when your lines are kind of really drawn at that point and then if you're in the majority and you win immunity is it really that big of a risk to then give it up um i don't know i just think that it shouldn't have been used as an idol and just it looks like really stupid like (laughs) finding this necklace and then trying to conceal i know like james is like square idols were difficult as well but like this is just taking that thing to like a whole new level and it just seems ridiculous to like pull this out of your bag and it's immunity necklace and you're like yeah i'm playing this as an idol well, I do. Someone I heard mentioned that there was an interesting strategy where Wendell could wear it as an immunity necklace and say, "Hey, I found this. It's giving me immunity from tonight's tribal council. You can't vote for me." And he doesn't play it, so he gets two kinds of immune rounds from it. So he like plays it off like it's an immunity necklace, and then he plays it another tribal council like an idol. Yeah, I think that's potentially a good idea, and that is what I like about this season is that there is room to kind of maneuver with these advantages because they know that they're not all going to be the same as they originally were. Their powers have changed and matured over time, being on the island for 10 years. Um, so I think, yeah, that that would be an interesting thing to see, and, and hopefully we do because I think that was kind of one of the better moments of the season was seeing Michael use James Idol and being like, but he he was voted out with two of them, so now this has double the power. Like, making narratives for the advantages that aren't true but the other players aren't going to know that is a really cool strategy, and and it would be interesting to see if that does happen again further down the line. Are there any advantages or twists, not twists, advantages or idols that you were like, oh, I hope to see that in the season coming up? Uh, I think I've seen most of the ones that I wanted to see. I mean, Aussie's fake idol was kind of right at the top of, of things that I wanted to see. And, and people, I was hoping that somebody would try and like make Aussie's fake idol like a replica because, I mean, it's not that hard to put a smiley face on a stick. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. But just trying to think of what else. I think most of the things like I remember from recent seasons, which I don't want to see, I want to see like big mistakes from kind of the early seasons, but I suppose not having idols, it's harder to to have things come into play. I think seeing the, like, Michaela vote steal as, as um, this, like, misplayed opportunity, like, I kind of got the narrative of her being frustrated and missing it, but then them whole, they, like, played it as, like, this was the deciding vote to, like, take her out, and, like, her vote was, like, a 4-2-1 or something, so, like, vote still was not really integral to that happening. Like you could have had uh, Steven steal a vote from Cambodia or even um, um, mental blank worlds apart. The extra vote, Dan's extra vote there that he went out when he played that. I think there were better extra votes that were more quote unquote curse that could have been used in this situation. I um. A lot of people have been making a lot of jokes about what they could find at Ghost Island. Like, people are saying, oh, Melissa McNulty's here on Ghost Island. She's gained power over the ten years or whatever. But I do think um, they did uh, reference at the beginning of the season. Like, obviously, we saw the stick and kind of talking about big mistakes and talked about Eric's thing, which is so we're obviously getting that. But they also talked about Lauren's shell. 
mm-hmm. that she had. But if you even if you listen to Ryan Ulrich interview on the Oz Network, you'll know that that wasn't a big deal. But they brought it up at the beginning of the season here, like yeah. in the preview, like at the end of last season. So obviously, maybe we're gonna get that shell as an idol or something. Yeah, I think that would just be pushing as much fresh stuff as possible. I think, like in my head, I'm like China is as far back as they're gonna go. Like James's idols was as nostalgic as we're going to get here everything else is going to be fairly recent i think that yeah they're which is true and i understand like idols are like what like mid-season kind of even moving towards earlier of survivor now um so there's not as many mistakes in those early seasons but even like i would almost like to see like with second chance how they reuse these challenges like even bringing in a whole like challenge element of challenges that really cost people like the game like challenges that people thought were a lock and they lost like even like malcolm with that whole like balancing the ball which is also like Sari, like losing that challenge at the end of micronesia i think that's a challenge that you could potentially call cursed um because it was lots of those last challenges like final three final four challenges i think would have been great to see um kind of come back throughout the merge stage just because they were so like pivotal, like they could have been, they could have changed the results of season. So I would have liked to see them back. And I think that would have been another cool way to play on the whole like cursed Ghost Island theme of the season. The fan in me wants to see something from Borneo. I have no idea what the hell it's going to be, but I don't know. Part of me wants a little bit more like diversity. What we've had, what season we've had game changers. We've had, um, Micronesia, we've had China, we've had Karamoan. Am I missing any? Um, yeah, I think that's it. And, and like the fact that we've had two like artifacts from Game Changers and two from Micronesia, which I can pass because they're like more iconic. But the whole like two from Game Changers, I don't think we needed that Michaela's vote steal that she didn't find. I don't think we needed a second thing from Game Changers. I think the legacy advantage was enough and even saying that that was cursed i think is kind of a stretch in in, in some points because it was played correctly at the end but um yeah but the pers- first person who ever had the legacy advantage and the, and their season never got to play it they got voted out so that's true and this one is getting a nice kind of track record going so i am almost kind of hoping that dominic doesn't play and he gets voted out and gets wheeled on again i like it going through all these different hands i think that's more exciting than like going between two people i think it would be great if it goes through like five six people by the end of the season and i don't mean to dwell on this point from before but like uh how much did it suck for jacob to go to ghost island to get the legacy advantage that he has to will to someone else he doesn't get anything for himself yeah i mean you've got to be like especially as a fan too, like he's so excited to go to ghost Island and, and is somebody who, who wants to be there. Cause I think he kind of knows he's not in a great position with his tribe already. He's not like a Kellen who's like, Oh, I don't want to go to ghost Island. Cause I don't want to lose time and lose bonds. Cause I feel like I'm in a decent position. Uh, he's somebody who wants to play and willingly does to try and get an advantage for himself. And then the poor guy yet gets the legacy advantage. It's like, great. I have to, can't use this for myself i think um yeah it's a really sucky situation for him obviously and then they built that storyline that jacob told stephanie and he got voted out and so stephanie knew that morgan had it but then morgan got voted out and didn't tell anyone and then stephanie was voted out so she couldn't tell anyone so like no no one knows who has no one knows about the legacy advantage's existence that was a whole what a mess that was yeah, like, there's a lot of, um, this season there, like, it. I understand it because of the theme, but there is a lot of that kind of overly dramatic play and, and wording and, um, yeah, just making everything a little bit bigger of a deal than it really is. Yeah, I think they're playing on the, the campiness of the theme a little bit with the, has been on Ghost Island for 10 years. Yeah, although if I have to hear reverse the curse one more time from like 
I don't even know, like, they must have told them that, that was the tagline for this season because people who haven't even been to, like, Ghost Island using, like, Desiree uses it in every single confessional that she gets about, like, we've got to reverse the curse and the challenges and we've got to burn the flag to reverse the curse and, and Malolo sucks, let's reverse the curse. Like, everything that she says is, like, around that tagline. It's been used so often um, that I'm just, like, a little bit sick of it. I think come up with... <laughs> Come up with an original way, um, something the voodoo or something or other. I just want an original play on that line, reverse the curse. And then we also have the other line, which is what? One mistake can haunt you for the rest of your life yeah. or whatever it was. I'm all for um, like hashtag shoo shoo the voodoo, um, I think is, <laughs> is where we're headed next. And I hope that we get that in an episode coming forward. Yeah, that's very much Desiree is going to say that next episode. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, speaking of, we, we didn't talk about a few people. I don't know if you had anything to say on Desiree or um, Seabass or Jenna or anyone like that. I think um, Desiree is a bit of a tough one because I just was hoping that she would go home when she uh, stuffed up that challenge. I think that almost kind of... <laughs> soured me on her a bit because she was so all over the place but then I think looking back on it it's really funny and I do like that she was like a total train wreck in that challenge and she had the amazing moment where she got dragged underwater on the like board as well which was great so she's had these really comical moments but it's hard to tell where she kind of fits in in the scheme of the story because it doesn't feel like she has too much say I think that's a bit of a problem is lots of the votes are being presented as like one person's idea um it's like if dominic's on a tribe then whoever goes it's his idea uh and if kellen's on a tribe then whoever goes it's her idea and not a not a lot of these other players are getting the credit or like the input in terms of like the narrative of who's going to go but i think desiree she has potential to kind of bounce back at the moment i just see her as a character who is um comical like not purposely but just for the situations that she's got into in challenges um yeah I, the others jenna i think i don't really have a strong opinion on her at all like she hasn't been presented as um having much say or having much of a like i mean she's just kind of linked to to seabass at the moment who is definitely the more interesting person of that kind of pair and um I don't know. Seabass is interesting. Like, what? What is your take on him? Like, what is he even? I mean, I don't. I don't know. Man, it's just like my opinion of him. He's an interesting one. He's definitely a character more than a player. I feel like, but he is. He was linked up with Chris in the OG Navidi days, but he's been bonding a lot with Wendell. Now it's and it's interesting that they're both now all on the same tribe. So it's interesting to see where he goes. I feel like we haven't gotten a sense of his strategy just because, like you said, it was all about Kellen's strategy then and everything. And they were only at what? One tribal? I think he's only been to one tribal council when they mm. voted out Brat, Brendan. Brendan. So I think it's really hard to... T so many people have only been to like one tribal council or no tribal councils that we're only getting certain storylines. Like We're getting so much about the Malolo tribe that we really don't get much about other people. Like, um, what's his, Bradley getting voted out was kind of out of nowhere because we didn't really get much from him in terms of, like, strategy. We did. Like, he obviously was like, we're going to stick with the Navidi and I still trust you and all that, but we didn't get much to lead into this. So, it's a bit tough. Yeah, I think Sebastian is one of the more interesting players in that he hasn't had a whole lot of strategy, but not to say Jenna is just his vote, because <laughs> I think she has more of, like, a brain than that, but, like, the way that it's being presented, it's like they're a pair, and it feels like Sebastian's in a better position to make decisions. Like, I think it's a smarter move for Jenna to hang back uh, in that pairing just because she doesn't want to become vul vulnerable just for the fact that she's original Malolo. But I think he could be, yeah, such a key, pivotal person because he has those bonds with Chris and then with 
with Wendell. So, I mean, wherever he goes, that's like, if provided he brings Jenna with him, that's two votes locked to one of the sides if we do get this big showdown. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to have like be driving the votes but in a sense he has a very big sway in what in what happens just due to the fact that he's linked to a pair and do yeah there's definitely a lot of play to go in this merch i think we always every every pre-merge podcast is like oh there's so much game to play like we don't know who's gonna do what but who knows it could turn out to be a flop but i think that there's a lot of moving pieces right now to give us kind of a different amount of results It'll be interesting to see which way it goes and what storyline happens. And if people are, you know, burned by them voting out Bradley, we have to, we have to see how the fallout of that goes. If Kellen's actually going to be mad about that, so, you know, breaking the Navidi uh, group. And I'm just um, kind of curious what, at this stage, what will you be like? Who, who are you pegging to be the next boo slash who is your winner pick at this point? Um, I think I'm going to buy into the next time on Survivor thing and, and that we do get the conclusion of this whole Chris versus Dom war that's been happening. I think, um, I think Dominic comes out on top on that. So I think that Chris is going home in the next episode. As for winner picks, I think, um, I think Wendell's sitting in a good position. I don't think he's, to me, he's not like a really interesting character, but I think he's incredibly calm and people just seem to naturally uh, vibe with him and flock to him. And I think he's not as abrasive and he has dollars, that kind of shield that I don't think people are really viewing him as a threat. It seems to me that Wendell is more like a friend to people than, than a threat to win the game. And I think there's the potential that they don't realize how much of a threat he is and how many relationships he has until it is too late in the game. And I mean, he hasn't been to tribal account. No, he has been. Um, sorry, but he's, he's been to one tribal council. He hasn't got too many people offside, even like voting against Angela. I don't think she holds that so much against him as, as the other players. I just think he's somebody who's able to, work relationships really well and um that should serve him well further down the line before i mention my kind of picks but i i my concern with wendell is is that he's playing kind of the middle ground where he's like oh i'm in with everyone but then people could be like well you're kind of playing everyone like where where do you stand and like i feel like he's appeasing to chris appeasing to dom and hasn't isn't really committing yet so it'll be interesting to see if he commits or tries to play this kind of both sides in the middle kind of game that he is at right now. Um, and then... Mm, get, yeah, definitely. Um, my preseason winner pick was Michael, which I'm still pretty high about. Um, I'm a fan of him, so I'm, I'm glad that he's still in. I don't know if he can still win, but he's been getting so much of the underdog edit that maybe. Um, and then... Oh god, I I I could not predict who would be next. I do think I don't think Chris is going. I still think that they're going to hold out on this. I think the Dom Chris thing isn't happening for some reason. I just don't see it happening. So my votes, I'm going to go with Libby is going to be the next to go. Libby or Jenna, but more likely Libby. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it does boil down back to like. Navidi versus Malolo, which fingers crossed it doesn't, or not, not for long anyway, who uh, that group targets. You would think that Jenna is kind of out by association with Seabass, and then, I mean, who are you, like, your other options? Like, Donathan, it seems like he's kind of in well with the group, and, and Laurel looks like she's bonded with people. It is really Libby who kind of sticks out as somebody who doesn't have strong relationships with that group. But then, I mean, you have the whole, like, I feel like when Brendan went home, that was kind of, there was a Chelsea moment there where she's like, don't target the, like, unsuspecting, like, female boot because that's become so common that it's actually predictable. So it'll be interesting to see if they do kind of revert to that strategy of let's target the person who we feel is least likely to have the idol and, and kind of 
go to that like under edited like female um target who is so often like picked at the merge now just for the fact that they think that she doesn't have an idol and that chances are the idols could be played on her or whether they try to take out a bigger target in the hope that um that strategy has become so tried and tested that now it's predictable and you can play around with who you target a bit more. But what if they reverse the curse and don't vote for her? <laughs> no. You, know, you mean, what if they shoo-shoo the voodoo and don't vote for her? Um, more than I think that um, uh, Donathan's in trouble for being too likable. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what... I think... No, I think that just everybody else has better bonds with Navidi than than Libby, who has kind of proven herself, and we've seen hints of Dominic still being reluctant to trust her, and even though he trusts her on the last vote, obviously he's still wary of that, and I think she's gotten this whole, like, she's like poverty 2.0 type thing, which is a little bit, like, overkill, but um, we, we will see. I just think that she's not that well connected to other people. So even if she was a different archetype, she would still be in trouble just based on the fact that her relationships with Navidi seem fairly weak. And I would just love to say this is clearly not non-segue, but I would love to see a Donathan win. Like nothing would bring me more joy than seeing Donathan win this game. Out of this yeah, I agree. I'm ready for somebody to kind of bumble their way to the end again. And keep, like keep normally, I would normally I would hate that, but I just feel like I'm ready for like a Fabio winner again. But, which I don't, I don't even like him as a winner, but I'm just ready for something like unpredictable and new. Somebody who goes across against this grain of the whole like big moves, blah blah blah. I'm just ready for a new era of Survivor to take place where we kind of revert back to. Um, just random old school winners with no idea of what's going to happen, like Nicaragua and Gabon. Like, I'm hoping we get that type of randomness moving forward. But I would argue he's not bumbling through the game. Like, I would argue he's got strategy and he's thinking about things. Yes, he plays with a little bit of his heart more than his head, but I'd argue he's play, still playing the game. Yeah, I agree. I think bumbling is probably the wrong word choice. I think more so relying on relationships built with people rather than like big moves because i love when it does come down to the end and the more social player robs the strategic um powerhouse of the season um because i just like that it robs jeff the wrong way even though i mean jeff loves donathan so he would be happy with that but i just do like that social politics still kind of come into play at the end i would hate to see that go out of play and i love when Final Trouble Council is more complex than who made the most moves, blah, 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 to get them there. I mean, people would argue that, you know, Korong was that way, where the social player kind of went out over the quote-unquote more strategic player. And that was quite recent. Mm -hmm. I would agree, but I think even... I feel like as a result of that win, there's been so much pushback and, and the whole big moves narrative has been like forced even more. And I think the whole advantage thing is a product of that. Um, so I just want that to be kind of kept at bay. I want Survivor to remain like as having the most possible routes to the end and, and um, different strategies of winning as possible. I, I don't want things that like shoehorned into making a big move for the sake of it being a big move. I want things to still be kind of planning ahead and maintaining those relationships and there's still being consequences for actions at the end of the day. Yes, I 100% agree. Uh, we talked a lot about this episode. I did not expect to chat this much about this episode. Um, but we are right at the merge, so a lot of players still left to get through. Some people will need to pick up their edits, but that's not their fault. Um, and we need to get the trend of Shushu the Voodoo started. You know, please hashtag it, send it to Jeff Probst. Maybe we'll, maybe Ghost Island Season 2 will get that. Yeah. And we'll see um, all the mistakes from the first half of Survivor Seasons that we're not going to get this season. 
Um, but Jared, oh, we gotta, um, what's the word? Uh, we gotta ra- rank the episode. So what do you do? Do you want to buy, rent, or bin this episode? I would rent this episode. I think that, um, it kind of picked up just for the fact that it was in Navidi going home, but I think there were a more viable episodes, um, in the season that have happened so far. It's tough because part of me wants to buy it just because I'm like, Amalolo didn't go home. So like the best two episodes of the season for me have been like when Morgan left and this one, because I'm just like, thank you for like, I just, something different happened. Like something I didn't expect. Like we got Bradley going or not Bradley, Brendan. Ah! We had Brendan going, we had James going and Stephanie going, which were all like fairly predictable. Like maybe it wasn't who you thought would go home, but like people who were on the outs went home and what well, Gonzalez and, and Jacob were both kind of outcasts of their tribe, so it was kind of predictable. So I, I kind of want to buy it. Um, I think I'll rent. I'll rent it. But I really did enjoy this episode, and I think that it gave us a lot, of I mean, a lot to talk about, but a lot to think about in strategy. And I think it could set a precedent for the rest of the game, which I hope it does about being strategic and making moves and not just kind of going with a safe bet. Um, But that's it for us, I think. And as always, stay tuned to the Oz Network for great content. I don't know what's coming out soon. Uh, Stick tuned. RuPaul's Drag Race is always continuing, so you can listen to that. Um, But Jared, thanks for being here. It was great to chat to you again. Bringing back memories. Yes, so nice to... um to talk about Survivor after after such a long break. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed that this season um, keeps on an upward trajectory after the Bradley boot. Yes, and hashtag shushu the voodoo, everyone. Get it trending. But we will speak to you again, but not, well, not us. Billy will be back next week. So Billy will be back to chat Survivor with everyone. So stay tuned to that. And so long. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.